Welcome to the Stewardship Leader Podcast, brought to you by the Christian Stewardship Network. CSN exists to encourage, teach, and connect church and stewardship leaders to help them create and lead healthy stewardship ministries in their church. You can learn more about CSN at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to Stewardship Leader. I'm your host, Leo Sabo. And in this episode, we're featuring another stewardship leader in our stewardship spotlight. We're talking with Jeff Ward. Jeff is a friend, first and foremost, but he's also a partner with the Christian Stewardship Network. Jeff serves as the COO at Simple Donation, where he and his team focus on helping churches with strategies and solutions to fund their ministry and disciple their congregation, which I really, really love. Jeff, welcome to Stewardship Leader. Glad you're here. Thanks. It's good to be here with you. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us. Uh, hey, I want to start you with a question. It's the question we always ask in these Stewardship Spotlight episodes. What is your personal stewardship story? Yeah, I love that you asked this question. For me, listening to the podcast, it's one of the things that I find most encouraging and challenging. And so I hope in me sharing my journey that it might have that effect for someone else. I was um, raised in the church. From a young age, I remember my parents giving me a dollar allowance and giving it to me in change so that I could give a dime offering every Sunday. And that was my introduction to stewardship as a, as a, I mean, I must have been, I probably remember it back when I was five or six. And so uh, my parents were training me up, but it was later in life when I got married that I really began to understand the biblical basis for stewardship and understanding that um, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and all who live in it, and understanding that that God's an owner and I'm just a manager of the resources that he's entrusted to me and understanding that he's my provider. And uh, as a newlywed, I was married as a teenager. As a newlywed, I remember my wife and I learning about not living in a scarcity mindset, not not trying to hold on to the things that God had given us or provided for us and try to make it our own way, but to give freely, knowing that God could provide more at any moment. And I think that was a challenge to our family because they were trying to help us get up on our feet and get going in life and, and provide for us. And But they saw us being generous towards others. And I think that challenged them. And um, just throughout life, God has kind of progressed us um, to where we've had opportunities to practice that and demonstrate the kind of generosity that God has towards us, towards others. And we aren't perfect. We still struggle with trusting God. We still tr- struggle with contentment and wanting to have things to, to be content and so I guess you could say we're still on the journey. We're still growing. We're still learning. But at the same time, we try to live disciplined in a way, but but really it's more about living in right relationship with the Father and having him guide us in how to use the resources he's entrusted to us. And one of the things that my wife and I do um, along those lines is we have things that we give regularly just 
you know, like our tithe and ministries that we support. But then we sit down together quarterly and we'll say, what do we feel like God wants us to do this quarter? And we'll pick an amount and we'll say, how, how are we going to use this? And it's really just seeking God and asking him to guide us and lead us. So every quarter we get to have the joy of um, being a blessing to ministries or sometimes it's individuals that God will put on our heart. And, you know, there's times even outside of those quarters where things will come up and and we'll feel like that God's saying to go give this or that. Um, I had one several months ago where I heard about someone that had a, a need and um, it was a significant amount of money. And I was like, oh, God, I really feel like you're saying to do this, but Trish has to agree. And so um, you know, I was actually out of town when it happened and I called Trish and said, Hey, I want you to pray about this. We can talk about it when we get home. I don't have to do it right now, but I really feel like God's saying we need to give this person enough money to cover their whole need. And, um, it's just, it's, there's joy in being able to do that and to see God using us to accomplish his purposes, um, one of the the definitions of stewardship that I like that I stole from Scott Mozingo is that um, stewardship is using God's resources for God's purposes. Mm. And um, I love that God includes us in his work. He allows us to be a, a small player in his grand schemes and um, being able to allocate some resources that he's entrusted. He could provide those needs through any way he wants, right. but he gives us money and lets us be the conduit for, for what he's doing. And it's just really cool to be able to be a part of that. What I love about some of the things that you shared is that as I listened to you and the different things that you shared, both from your beginning to the journey to your own um you know, addressing this this scarcity mindset that you mentioned, which I want to come back to, but all of the things that you shared, what is apparent to me, and I think that everyone that's been listening, is the maturity that you and your wife have gained in trusting God, even to the fact that you're you're saying not it's not good enough for us just to to tithe and to give above the tithe to some ministries, which can become very mechanical. We all we all understand the need to give. We all look at our budget and figure out, okay, how much extra can I give above the tithe? But then to to even say, you know, maybe once a year is not good enough. Let's look at this every quarter. I love that because it it gives you the ability to say, God, I, I don't want to become complacent. I want you to challenge me every three months because, as you said, you still struggle with contentment and living the life that that God's calling you to rather than the life that is constantly being portrayed as the American dream and all of the things that comes with that, which we know doesn't really fulfill us, but there's a balance there. Uh, and I love your answer because I think it's a very mature answer from someone that's walked this out. So, um, yeah, that that just uh, that just became very very apparent to me as you're talking. Let me ask a little bit more about the scarcity mindset because it's something that Christians can very easily fall into. We read certain passages of scripture and we think, well, God is asking us to give it all away or to live in poverty, or uh, the opposite, which is to you know enjoy everything and and just consider that God is one that's going to bless us and we should enjoy everything. And there's a, obviously those are extreme views. So how have you guys considered this uh, idea or this concept of scarcity mindset? How have you walked through that? And what made you actually think about or recognize that there could be a problem that led you then to, to be more generous? I think my first exposure to it was 
through some some friends that grew up in a different church background than me. I was raised in a Baptist church and I had some friends that are charismatic and I think they're the ones that kind of introduced me to it. And I remember one of them even talking about having a spirit of poverty and mm. I don't even know if that's a thing, but it made sense at the time. And I think that was my first exposure, but I think what really helped me was just growing in an understanding of the Bible and who God is and how he is. And I think along with that, one of the things that really helped me was answering the call to serve as a missionary. Uh, My wife and I went and were missionaries in India for eight years. Mm. And as part of that, you know, we had to raise support. And I think in that process, well, well, first of all, we went through a training um, called People Raising. And in that training, it did a really good job of teaching us that we're not raising money, we're raising people. We're giving people an opportunity to participate in what God's doing, that God's going to be our provider. And he'll do it through people, um, maybe through some businesses, that's also through people or and some churches. But um, but ultimately, it's, it's God providing. And that when we go visit with people and ask them to give, we're not asking them to give because we need their money. We're asking them to give to be part of what God's doing. And that really tested, having that mindset really tested, do we believe that God owns it all and can provide it all? And um, I actually used to have a friend that that um, would say, God's the owner of the cattle of a thousand hills. And if I need something, I'll just go ask dad to sell a cow. And um, Love that. Uh, that that kind of mindset really got into us that God owns it all. And he's our father. And I think we we grew in understanding that even more moving in, in, to India, because in India, the culture is different in the U.S. in that in the U.S. we're very individualistic. When you get married, you move out, you have your own house. In India, they have generations living together in the same house mm-hmm. and they pool their resources. Even in their tax system, they have a what they call a Hindu unified family. And that group of of grandparents kids grand grandkids they file one tax return they pull their assets wow. and so there's this we got exposed to this idea that the family's assets are the family's assets it's not my assets and your assets it's our assets and seeing that it's like oh this is more what's like in the kingdom this is our father's assets but we have access to them we can ask him and he'll make them available if we need them and when you understand that your father owns everything, and by the way, your father can also speak things into existence, mm-hmm. <laughs> that um, you don't need to worry about not having enough. If you really believe that God is good and loving and he's able, then you can trust that he's going to give you what you need. Yeah. I think there's also a, a little bit of understanding that there may be times where what you need is to go without. You may need to learn to be okay going without, but if you really trust God, then you don't have to worry about that either. You're going to get through that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm reminded of a a Psalm that says that God tests the heart and the mind. And uh, this has certainly been true. I think for anyone that's been on this journey of understanding that they are a steward and then living that out. And from time to time, God will challenge your commitment. You know, how, how much contentment do you really have? How much do you really trust God? Is it because you have more money in the bank? Maybe the debt is now paid off. Are you, you know, do you trust God more? 
Or do you trust the fact that you've done all this and you just feel more at peace? And if that were to be taken away, it really exposes the fact that maybe you don't trust God as much as you thought you did. And this has certainly been true of, of my situation, Jeff. My wife and I have had our income reduced four different times significantly. Three of those times was more than half. And uh, one time it was nearly half. And to go from you know making six figures down to half of that um, you know, combined income, it's, a, it's an adjustment. It's an adjustment. And I never liked it, <laughs> to be honest. I never liked it. I kept saying, God, is, am I that messed up that you have to continue to bring me down to, to you know, am I, you know, is there something deep down still messed up that you're trying to fix? And maybe there was, I don't know. I'm sure there's been attitudes that I had and beliefs and things that they only God knew, you know, uh, Jeremiah 17 says that the heart is wicked above all else who can understand it. And I think that's true of us. Sometimes we don't recognize the uh, the depth of our and I'll say depravity, I know it sounds bad, but we are in many ways because of our sinful nature prone to these things and God can see these things and he's trying to work these things out. And so I'm so glad from what you shared is that, you know, it, there's a balance there. Uh, I want to trust God. I want to do things his way. I know he can provide anything that's necessary. I don't have to fear, but yet I have to come to this place where I say, regardless of what God gives me to manage, I'm going to do my best, whether it's a lot or whether it's a little. My place is not to say, how much money do I need or how much, you know, where do I need to live? That's not, that's not important. I'll make those decisions based on what God provides for me, rather than I expect this, therefore I'm going to pray for this and work for this. That kind of flips the script and makes us more in charge than God. And uh, I've, I've learned that, that when I've done that, God you know, helps me to see that I'm on the wrong path. And I become less content, I actually become very discontent uh, with the situation because I'm not meeting my own needs or expectations as I've set them, rather than just resting in the fact that God knows what's best. And that's hard. It's hard because we don't have all the information and we have to trust. Uh, but it, it is a wonderful journey that God allows us to be on. And the thing that you said in your introduction was the fact that we don't have to do this. God can you know, God can provide for ministry, can provide for the needs of others any way he wants to. He can speak it into existence. He can create it. He can sell a cow and provide whatever. He can do it. But yet he gives us this privilege of being part of something that's eternal in, in you know, and has eternal fruit out of it. Uh, and that's amazing to me that we get to do that. Uh, and I wish more people would understand that. Uh, I so appreciate the, the fact that you do. And I know in the work that you do, both, um, you know, in your profession, working at Simple Donation, but beyond that, you're you're a steward. I, I've known you well enough to to know that what really matters to you most is you living out as a good steward, but also helping others to do the same. And it's interesting because you do that both in a an organization that's providing uh, resources and actual you know data and information and tools to help churches, but you do that beyond that. You do that individually and also within your church. So. Tell me a little bit more about how you balance that out. Obviously, you, you work a simple donation, but you also are a steward. So tell me, how does that fit into what you do, both inside Simple Donation and outside? And then tell us a little bit more about your role at Simple Donation. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm a disciple, so I'm a minister. I'm a, I'm a priest. And so that uh, goes with me everywhere. It's not just Sundays at church. It's at work. It's at home. It's how I serve in the church, how I relate to my family. And so to me, I just live that out wherever I can. I've been super blessed to be able to um, 
work in the private sector and work in nonprofits. Where I found kind of my ideal fit is kind of the intersection between business and ministry. So when I was in ministry in India, I did training in business for people in ministry so that they could have more financial stability. Then I worked for a nonprofit that very much had a, we're going to um, charge enough for our services that we can pay all of our expenses. They, they had a business mindset. And now I'm working for a for-profit that is coming alongside nonprofits. And so I've, I've just really found comfort in these roles where it's the intersection between business and ministry. I mean, in my own life, I, I'm trying to live as a disciple every day and glorify God and serve him. And I'm blessed to be in a company that shares those values and wants to do that. And particularly wants to come alongside um, organizations that are, are gospel focused. And um, we're, we're pretty particular in who we work with. And um, I love being able to come alongside churches and help them accomplish their mission. And a lot of what we're doing in our day-to-day -day work is working with the uh, admin staff and pastors of churches to um, be more effective or more efficient, to save time by giving them financial reports at the touch of a button instead of manipulating these Excel sheets to get what they want. Yeah. Or we're giving them data so that they can focus on who do they need to be having conversations with to help grow them in their faith. And I really love that. And sometimes I get to hear stories about it and sometimes I don't, but I just do the work that all the same, knowing that, that God is um, going to work through what I do every day. Well, I do hope that you're enjoying this conversation and we're going to come right back to it, but I want to take just a minute to introduce you to one of our ministry partners. CSN's ministry would not be possible without the help of our partners. And frankly, we wouldn't want to do it without them. What they offer to churches and church leaders through services, content, and resources that they have is invaluable to building a healthy stewardship ministry and helping their people to become good stewards and generous givers. This episode of the Stewardship Leader Podcast is sponsored by Christian Financial Resources. Christian Financial Resources is a not-for-profit organization with a mission of funding ministry, changing lives. Since 1980, hundreds of ministry projects have received funding through CFR. These projects include land acquisitions, loan refinances, and the construction improvement of church buildings, parsonages, schools, and various other facilities operated by those congregations. CFR currently manages more than $750 million in total assets while serving nearly 7,000 investment accounts. In addition to loans and investments, CFR offers stewardship services, donor-advised funds, legacy planning, life income agreements, capital campaigns, and generosity initiatives. To learn more about Christian Financial Resources, call 800-881-3863 or visit cfrministry.org. So normally the question I ask here is to a stewardship leader that's working in a church. Uh, I, I do see you as that, although you, you do it a little bit differently. Um, so tell me, what is the most challenging part of serving uh, churches and in this ministry of stewardship and generosity? Let me talk about my experience as a layperson in a church, mm -hmm. trying to um, 
make disciples and, and talking about stewardship with people. I think one of the biggest challenges is that people just are really private about money. Mm. I actually think this is a scheme of the enemy to try to keep us from talking about a thing that Jesus talked about a ton. There are things that traditionally have been hard to talk about that are becoming more acceptable to talk about. Sexual immorality and pornography is one of those things. We see more talk about that in the church than we did 30 years ago. Right. My hope is that um, finances and, and generosity as a measure of our heart and our relationship towards God is one of those things. And it's one of the things I'm trying to do more. I try to talk more openly about generosity with the guys that I'm in a discipleship group with, the people in my small group, trying to challenge them to recognize that their money is God's and that um, they need to let him guide them in how to use it. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges, though, is that people aren't used to that. And I feel like that I have to reach a certain depth of relationship with someone before I can talk about those things openly with them. And I think we need to get to the point where we're just more comfortable talking about those things. I think that's one of the biggest challenges in my day-to-day -day work with stewardship as far as personally outside of my vocation. In Simple Donation, the biggest challenge is just finding churches that are willing to do the same. There's a lot of churches that they just don't want to talk about money. Um, they're afraid what people will think. Yeah. And to me, that's a shame. To me, you're not teaching the whole counsel of the word of God mm -hmm. if you're excluding all the thousands of scriptures about money. Yeah. And I think that um, operating in fear of what people think is not consistent with following Christ. Jesus didn't fear what man thought. Right. And when we do that, we're not trusting God fully. And I think that's one of the challenges. It surprises me when I talk to a church that will use simple donation for processing online gifts. And we say, hey, we want to help you thank people for giving. Yeah. And they go, oh, no, no, we don't do that. <laughs> yeah, right. Or, um, hey, we want to help you identify those people that used to give regularly and stopped because that's a that's an often an early warning sign that something is awry in their life. Mm -hmm. um, maybe they're having marital problems. Maybe they lost a job. It's a good idea to reach out to those people. And they say, that feels big brotherish. Yeah. Mm. And and I say, I think we're supposed to be our brother's yeah. keepers. Yeah, we're supposed to be pastoring so, people, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think that's one of the challenges is dealing with that mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so well said. You know, the fact that we are more open to talking about sexual matters or sexual addictions than we are about money is telling enough. Um, but I believe, just like you, uh, I also see opportunity upon opportunity to talk to people about this. And, and what I know is that everyone wants to know how to do better in this area. I don't care if it's a, a believer or non-believer. Uh, they want to know about money. They, they want to understand it. They want to be successful, figure out how to incorporate it into their lives in such a way that it's not something that's consistently stressing them out or something they're constantly chasing after. And uh, I had an opportunity recently. I was, I was on a mission trip, came back. I was supposed to go to Boston from Paris, but our flight got diverted about two, three hours in uh, to Dublin because it was a medical emergency with a baby. And, and I, you know, everybody's upset. And I was, I'm at the point in my life where I don't get as excited as I used to, as I did in my 20s. 
take a breath and think, okay, maybe God has a purpose for this. I don't know what it is. And so I texted my friends and I said, yeah, looks like I'm going to spend a day in Dublin. And I wasn't planning on it. And there wasn't anything I could do. It was late. It took forever to get a hotel room, all that. But I kept my eyes open because I thought, you know, surely God has a plan. Nothing is a coincidence to God. Everything is specific and he has a plan. So I said, well, I'll just keep my eyes open. And one of my friends actually, as I thought about it, and then he said, well, keep your eyes open. Who knows what God has in plan? And I was like, I was thinking exactly the same thing. And so I get to my hotel, I go down, get a get a bite to eat. And while I'm sitting there, there's a couple of guys and I'm talking to them, finding out about them and, but nothing, you know, not, but conversation it was just very surface level. And then another guy comes in toward the end, the other two guys leave. And this guy sits down and finds out what I do and kind of what my passion is. And the next thing we know, we had a two hour conversation. He asked me very deep questions like, should you tie, should you tie off the net? Gross. You know, he lives in Boston, all that stuff. And I was thinking, you know, here's a guy that wasn't planning on having this conversation, but yet once the opportunity came and he opened up like a floodgate, you know, asking all these questions, even apologizing, like, I'm sorry, I'm asking all these questions. I'm like, no, don't be. I said, these are important things that you're obviously wrestling with. I wrestle with. Why not talk about it? Why not get wisdom? Uh, why not look at the word of God? And that's what I did. I just said, look, here's what I've learned from God's word. And then I followed it up with an email. There was actually an article that we wrote for the Christian Stewardship Network on what are the biblical principles related to money. And I had in this article, I had an outline of the different principles that are in God's word and with scriptural references. And I sent that to him and I said, hey, if you want to do a deeper study, you really want to understand God's word, go here. So my point in sharing that story is people are hungry for this information and Christians more so because it's so difficult sometimes to figure out how to connect your finances with your faith, especially if you're a business person. Uh, that's even more difficult because you think, oh, should I should I quit and go into ministry? I really have a heart for God, but but God's given me this ability to have a business and, and, and make money. Like, how do I marry the two? And, and I love what you guys do, because in a very practical sense, you come in and talk to a church that may not be looking at the numbers or look at the stats or look at the facts that are that are coming across very clearly. And you help them to see something that gives them an opportunity to disciple. Uh, and that's such a powerful thing. Yes, you're a for-profit ministry. You, you have costs. Those are necessary. But a church connecting with a simple donation uh, is not just going to get a giving platform. They're going to get the heart of a steward talking to them about how to use this information to really move people along this journey of generosity and, and stewardship. And, and I, I just love your heart because uh, I know this is what you guys stand for. Um, all right. So in, in regards to the ministry then, um, or, or really your, your simple donation organization, how you come alongside ministries, what do you focus on most? Uh, what problems are you solving in churches as you're approaching and helping them to, uh, to get a handle on this area? We like to talk about two things that we do for churches. We provide them great tools, mostly related to giving and, and payments for events and whatnot. And we provide a great relational service. Mm. So if I talk about the tools, it's all about reducing friction in the giving process, which is primarily for the benefit of a first-time giver. We expect as people grow in their faith and are committed to giving that they'll jump through all kinds of hoops to give. Yeah. If I have to sign up for an account and register to give, if I'm really committed to giving, I'm, I'll do that. Yeah. But if I'm, if I'm responding to the nudge of the Holy Spirit for the first time to give, it's really easy to abandon that process if you put up friction. And so we want to give 
frictionless ways to give. Um, one of those is by allowing people to give with digital wallets. You know, Apple Pay and Google Pay are the easiest ways to give. Yeah. If you're giving from your phone, um, even if I'm giving on a website, I can double click my watch and, and give. That just makes it really easy. And if if that can be embedded on a church's website, they don't have to be redirected to another website. That makes it really easy. Yeah. Um, we do a lot of things for integrating with um, Rock RMS, which is a church management system a lot of churches use just to improve the donor's experience. Um, so that's one. But where we really add value to churches and try to serve them well is um, building relationship with them, helping them understand our expertise and our knowledge, and then really helping them um, build out solutions, often in their church management system, to help them uh, accomplish their mission. And uh, I had a conversation with a church just yesterday morning, and they said, man, I really like that you'll give us advice and, and consultation, but then let us choose what we want to do and then help us accomplish it. Often we have churches say to us, what should we be doing? What are other churches doing? And we love doing that, but really what we want to know is what do you have an appetite to do? What are you willing to do? Because if one church is doing X, Y, and Z, but you haven't mastered A, B, and C, maybe you shouldn't be trying to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And so really it's us coming alongside churches understanding where they're at, what are the problems they're facing. Also, sometimes it's just encouraging them to take the next step. You know, sometimes a church will ask us something, we'll, we'll push back a little bit and encourage them to, to rethink their approach and um, consider other options. And, and ultimately, we're going to serve them and do, do what they want to do. But we don't want to just take orders and do those things. We want to come alongside as a real partner and challenge them in their thinking and sometimes that's, that's pushing back and saying, hey, why don't you have these conversations? Why don't you send a thank you note? Why, why don't you just schedule for one of your pastors to call someone who stopped giving? And if they say that, hey, that would seem really weird, then sometimes the answer is, well, you should be calling everyone in your church anyway and checking on them. So maybe just start with that. Yeah. And, and don't, don't prioritize those people that have stopped giving. So it doesn't seem weird when someone stops giving and you call, if you already have that cadence of I'm going to check in with you quarterly or monthly or whatever, then when you do call um, because they stopped giving, it doesn't seem weird for you to call and say, hey, how can I be praying for you? What's going on in your life? And so, yeah, we I just love coming alongside churches and um, it's not all glamorous. Sometimes it's uh, uh, I'm working with an accounting team and they're doing some report. And we're just trying to help them save five minutes a week. Yeah. But that's a win for us. If we can save them five minutes a week, that's 260 minutes a year. And so, yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it to do that. And a lot of times it's little things like that that we're doing. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot more to that. But what, what I really like about what you just shared is the fact that these churches see you guys as you build the relationship because of the way you're doing it, not as a here's the. 10 things you need to do in order to be succeed or be more efficient and all of that. Sure. You offer some very practical advice and tools, as you said, but more than that, what I'm hearing you say is that you become almost like a trusted counselor to them in some areas where they're still growing and which is totally okay. But, but this is something that you guys have developed and you have the expertise and the ability to see across multiple churches, how to best serve the congregation 
and then you're coming in and, and the fact that you would get a statement like that, a response of, hey, thanks so much for giving us the advice, but then honoring us by letting us choose, not forcing us to do something. That just shares the, it reveals the heart behind what you guys do, which I love very much. All right. So as a, as a last question, as we close out, Jeff, and you can answer this both as a stewardship leader, but also, of course, from your position as a, as a COO of Simple Donation, what concerns you the most and what excites you the most about stewardship and generosity in general and the ministry? One of the things that excites me about stewardship and generosity is this movement that I think CSN is at the forefront of, of really recognizing that stewardship and generosity is about discipleship. It's not just Financial Peace University or budgeting or estate planning, although those are all pieces and those are all good things, but we're really focused on teaching people to obey all that Christ has commanded Mm -hmm. and about helping people to be better followers of Christ that glorify God in all aspects of their life. Um, And I see that. I love going to the um, CSN forum because I get to rub up with people that are living that every day. And some of them are talking about financial peace and those other things, but at the heart, there's such a, a emphasis on helping people grow in faithfulness to Christ. And I love that. I just really love that. And that's, that's the thing that excites me most. What concerns you? The churches that haven't caught up, the churches that are still afraid of talking about um, money, the churches that do talk about money, but it's just about transactions and fundraising. Mm -hmm. I think that there's kind of two extremes and there's churches that have capital campaigns and will talk about money and, and they're talking about tithing, but it's not because they want people to understand the heart of God and um, <laughs> the heart of man and, and our own desire for control. And um, it's about funding their ministry. And I think that's short-sighted and I think it's bad. And then on the other hand, those people that are afraid to talk about it, I think in both cases, the leaders of churches that are in that place are trying to exercise control instead of trusting God themselves and um, being faithful to what he's called them to do. And one of the things that concerns me is how do we reach the leaders in those churches? How do we get them to get a heart and a vision? Even in my own church, sometimes I wonder, is my church doing enough to address this issue internally? And how can I um, influence them and And how can I leverage the influence that God has given me to accomplish his purposes? And so I think that's something we should be praying about. And also at the same time, looking to God for what actions he would have us take. Yeah, that's good. Um, One of the things that you said that I want to focus on just for a second is the whole idea that um, some churches aren't aren't really seeing this from the right perspective, that they still see it as a transaction. And I understand, I think all of us who manage or work for organization where we're in leadership, we understand the financial side, that it needs to work, that cash flow is important, that we have projects and, and payroll and all those things. And, and the church is no different. I get that. And it's easy, I think, for a pastor to feel that the only way that they're going to be able to really take care of the flock is to you know make sure that the money continues to come in so it's easy to become transactional in that 
but at the same time, if it's not a balanced approach and we're not discipling people, if we're not making disciples who have a conviction to live as stewards, uh, and part of that is that they will support not just financially, but in every way their church, then then we're missing it, right? We're we're not really discipling and creating Christ followers who will then multiply. And that's what we're called to do, right? I mean, you you said that so many ways in your conversation with me today. And so I just want to encourage pastors out there um, in the same heart that you have, which is that they would begin that conversation. If they are not doing anything that's really focused on discipleship and they think of this maybe just from a transactional standpoint, they need to really understand it better in order to see the kind of results that will please and honor God and also help people. Uh, I love that simple donation is focused on that, that you come alongside to churches with tools so that those transactions can be frictionless, as you said. But at the same time, the heart behind it is how can we really minister to people? Is somebody stopped giving? That's a ministry opportunity. What's going on in that family? And how powerful would it be for a pastor to notice that and then call the family, not say, hey, I noticed you haven't been giving. What's up? No, but just to call and say, how are you guys doing? Just checking in, making sure you're okay. Is everything okay? Is there anything I need to pray with you about? And I think that's an open door uh, that congregation members really want. They want their pastors to call them if something's going on. They want to know, no matter how big the church is, this is something that if something happens in my family, somebody's going somebody's gonna to know, somebody's going to notice, somebody's going to care and reach out and help us. And that's a powerful thing. And a you know, giving platform can do that if you look at the, the information correctly and if you have the right strategy for that and the right, you know, uh, well, strategy, I guess, is the right word because you can look at that and decide what are we going to do ahead of time? If, if somebody stops giving, if somebody has lost a job, how are we going to handle that? And you can pull the resources of the church to meet that need. Um, so I just love the way you guys do that. But more importantly, I love your heart, Jeff, just because I know what you guys do is, is out of this desire to help churches, to help the stewardship movement gain um, traction, so to speak, so that people would be drawn closer to Christ. So thanks for your time today. I, I so appreciate you as a, as, a, as a fellow brother, but also your partnership with CSN, the fact that you support what we do. Uh, and I feel like we're co-laboring together to, uh, to help the church become and be everything God intended it to be. So thanks for your time today. I appreciate it. Thanks, Leo. I've enjoyed talking with you. And uh, I really do hope that something in what we talked about today will be an encouragement to others and um, that they'll go and, and grow in their faith and, and do something in response to whatever God speaks to them through our conversation. Awesome. Well, would you let us know how someone that's listening or a church can reach out to you guys and what would be a next step for them if they wanted to connect with you? Yeah, I mean, probably the easiest way is just shoot me an email. My email is jeff at simpledonation.com. And um, I, I would just say, you know, my heart really is to help churches and uh, more so than to grow my business, um, I want to help churches. And so I've told churches and I, I tell everyone to listen to this. If there's anything I can do to help you um, to leverage the data that you have to um, grow disciples, I'd be happy to consult with you. I'm not going to charge you. I'm not going to try to sell you on simple donation. But if you want to um, talk about how you can use the information you already have at your hands to make a difference in your church, I'd love to have an opportunity to do that or to introduce you to other churches that are doing it well. Mm, that's awesome. Well, thanks so much for, again, for your time. And for those of you that are listening, thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I hope that this message and what 
Jeff shared was encouraging to you. You know, we're all trying to be good stewards of what God has entrusted to us. And I feel like Jeff, uh, what he shared is is some real great nuggets about things that he's learned, things that he has put in his own life and how he serves churches. And uh, so I so appreciate his story and what he's doing. And if you're listening to this and thinking, this is something I feel called to, or if you're a pastor that's listening to this and feel that maybe there's areas of improvement in your own, uh, the way you guys do things at your church and how you're discipling people, then by all means, reach out to, to Simple Donation, reach out to Jeff. You can contact him, talk with him if you need some tools, resources, and some advice there. If you need to connect with a network of pastors like us, who this is what we do. We're practitioners in the trenches doing this day in and day out. Reach out to us at CSN. We would love to connect with you. You can reach us through our website or by emailing us at info at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. We have all kinds of tools, events, membership uh, that you could be part of so that you can learn how to do this stewardship and generosity ministry better. We would love to serve you and be in your corner and support that journey for you and your church. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on Stewardship Leader. Thank you.